Hi everyone, welcome to another Hawks Insiders review podcast where we go through and have a look at how each of our players have fared this time in the round 16 game where we went down by 22 points to GWS at the Sydney showground. Uh, Unhappy hunting ground for the Hawks in all of time and we went down 11.672 to 7.850 in horrific conditions up in Sydney today. Uh, Now, before we get stuck in, it's a warm welcome as always to tonight's panel. I should say that I'm filling in for the one and only Ashley Brown this evening to, to take everyone through the players from today's game. So I'll do my best. I've certainly got big shoes to fill, but helping out tonight, as always, it's a good evening to Daz, Darren Levine. How are you going? I'm good. It's not really a warm welcome for me. I'm, I'm sitting in a car in Cape Shank, dialing in here because, you know, Ash couldn't make it and I just didn't want to let the team down. So uh, if the players had to play in those conditions and I'm... I'm not, I'm not above that, and I'm going to power through. Well, that's a solid 9.5 in my, in my book. That's a great start. <laughs> and very happy to have you on board. Uh, back-to-back ratings pods. It's a very special welcome back to Daniel Prince. Prinzy, good day. thanks for having me. Um, I promise I won't talk for too long tonight. No worries. Well... Uh, I think we'll find there are quite a few players we do want to have a lot to say about. And I think based on the performance of some of them tonight, there are probably a few we want to just flick through. So we'll get straight into it. As always, we'll go in numerical order and we'll start with number one, Harry Morrison. Harry today had 25 disposals, six tackles, four marks and kicked a goal. Managed to have four clearances and 638 metres gained, which should be noted was the second most metres gained for any Hawthorne player. Uh, He also ended up with uh, seven inside 50s and six intercepts, as well as four score involvements. Daz, how did you see Harry Morrison's game today? Well, the, you read out a lot of stats there, but the key stat, I think, and I don't have the stats handy because, as I said, I'm in my car, but um, number one in pressure acts on the field. Yeah, so, with 36. 36. I mean, and that's a, that speaks volumes, really, when the knock on Harry is he doesn't, he, doesn't like the, he doesn't like the hard stuff, he doesn't like the tough stuff. So I actually thought he was one of the top three hawks on the ground. Uh, kick, kick to trademark goal. Um, was you just just kind of getting it forward at all costs a lot of the time, which which may have uh, let down his disposal efficiency. But I think he was kicking under pressure a lot. So um, yeah, I I just thought in a game where not a lot of players had a big impact, he really stood out to me. So I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Yeah, interestingly, of those 36 pressure acts, 20 of them were in the offensive half. So only 16 of them were defensive half pressure acts. So 
um, that actually shows that he was working both ways, but had a significant impact moving forward as well. So I think seven and a half is pretty fair. He had a pretty, pretty good day at the office, Harry. Moving on to number two, our spearhead, Mitch Lewis, a quiet day at the office for Mitch. He had 11 touches, uh, scored one behind, two marks, two tackles, and I think the the most important stat, which was unfortunate, was his 25-match streak of kicking a goal every game for 25 games. Suddenly got snapped unfortunately had that shot after the siren that we were all hoping would go through to beat it but uh Prinzi what were your thoughts on Louis's game today it's a bit of a dirty day for Mitch wasn't it um he had 11 touches in the end but six of them were in the last quarter um only only five up until three quarter time which is it's not ideal from your number one um key tall and uh also you know a guy who really has been our figurehead, our spearhead of the forward line and gives us a lot of structure. And he, he was very quiet. He got soundly beaten by um, both Sam Taylor and the Hawthorns ball use uh, out there today. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't a day for key tools, but then Jesse Hogan had a huge impact on, on the result for uh, GWS and played incredibly well, marking, kicking goals, kicking freak goals that aren't, that weren't allowed. And then, um, you know, really, really uh, having a strong impact on the contest. So um, it wasn't like, you know, you, key forwards couldn't have an impact. So it was, Mitch would be disappointed, I think, with his, uh, with his output, but yeah, um, everybody's entitled to a down game and he hasn't had one all season. So uh, I'd, I'll give him a three, um, but um, I bounce, I bet on him to bounce back and kick three or more next week. Yeah, it was a really, I mean, you mentioned Hogan's impact. It was a really, really hard day for the big guys in those conditions and Coddy and Louis struggled. So as you said, he's, he's had a great year. Happy to just say entitled to a down down game and move on. Number three, Tom Mitchell, and he's coming to you, Daz. Interestingly enough, he spent the first six or seven minutes on the pine, uh, which potentially uh, makes his stats and his game even more impressive. He finished up with 35 touches, 18 kicks and 17 handballs. He had seven tackles, five clearances for 519 metres gained. 10 intercepts, six score involvements, uh, and four inside 50s. Daz, what are your thoughts on Titch? Well, I think clearly that's a game that you expect Tom Mitchell to, to sort of get a lot of the footy in, and, and he, he just he just is a wet weather sort of specialist. But um, yeah, it's interesting the psychology of leaving him on the starting him on the bench again and not in the guts. And I I just wonder if that's a message from Sam um, and maybe it spurred him on to, 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 to play the game that he did because I thought he was, you know, again, probably our best player on the ground or, or at least in the top three. And um, yeah, it's just, just a shame that he, I think, I think he just, the, the directive was obviously to, to get as much meterage as, as possible. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of sort of clean, possessions from him it was a bit of bit of a game where it was a scrap so you know 35 touches could he have 
could he have used the footy better? Probably, but it was just more that sort of day. So I'm going to give him a seven. Yeah, I think that's fair. Let, let's not forget as well that with the injury to Waltz, and we'll get to Waltz shortly, who, you know, clearly he started in the middle of the ground and we talk about Titch starting on the bench. Warp started in the centre and it was a clear intention, um, given the condition, to have um, to have James doing a fair bit of that grunt work that as soon as he went down, you know, that that responsibility pretty much fell to Titch. So he was shouldering, pardon the pun, a fairly, uh, a fairly heavy load with him gone. Uh, number four, Jarman Impey, and we've talked about our feelings of, of him as the season's worn on. Quiet day at the office for Jars, 11 touches, one mark, 132 metres game. He spent 82% of the game on the ground, so he was around the back line for much of it. Six intercepts, um, 63%. Uh, disposal efficiency. Primzy, can you give us anything, any positive, any meaty positive comments uh, to do with Jars and his game today? Not really. Uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to say something positive about Jars' game. Uh, he got through it. Um, extra Ks in the legs. I don't know. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot. Uh, to say about, I mean, the ball was down that end of the field for enough for him to be able to get more than 11 touches. And he's been out of form for a little while. And um, we all want to see uh, the jars that we saw pre pre knee injury. Um, I'm a little worried that we're not going to uh, again. Um, and it's, it's a real shame because that, that speed and that um, dare and that dash that he provides when fit and firing um, is definitely what our team needs and um and we're not really seeing it uh, i think i said last week it looks like he second guesses everything that he does and it was a little bit the same this week he, i mean it wasn't it's look let's be let's be real about these conditions they stopped players like jarman MP and cj from playing their natural game bramble as well um but you as players as afl players you've got to adapt and i don't think we saw that adaptation from from jars and i'd only give him a four yeah, it's, it's a really strange one and it's going to cause all sorts of headaches with, with what to do with him because you just even want to see some of those flushes that suggest he's still, you know, he's still worth persevering as that back flanker. But you're right, the conditions didn't really suit him today. He just looks lost, completely lost today. So it'll be interesting to see... Um, with a couple of guys pressing for selection at Box Hill, uh, how he fares at the selection table this week. James Wapple, I think we're going to actually park James Wapple. He only had the four touches and we know what happened in terms of the injury side of things. So given how early out in the game, it's pretty unfair to give him a rating. So we'll move straight on to James Sicily. Uh, and... And this game's probably divided a few people, as, as his games in recent times seem to do on socials, have divided a few people. 25 touches. He only had one mark, which is fair enough given the conditions. Three tackles, 
an unbelievable 962 metres gained. I, I think the record was broken maybe last week or the week before. And was it something like 1,100 metres or something like that? But yeah. 962 metres gained, I can't recall seeing a Hawks a, player. Yeah, I think it was a Suns player that broke the record. Yeah, unbelievable. Sure. He had 15 intercepts. Um, he had 10, con- 10 of his possessions were contested, 68% disposal efficiency. Daz, he also played the first half of the game on Jesse Hogan, who, um, who was clearly a standout player on the day. Uh, what did you think about Sicily's game overall? I thought he was... I thought we actually would have lost by a lot more without Sis. And, and I know that he struggled in parts against Hogan, but, but really when you, you know, the, the ball's coming in quite a bit. It's a, it's a shocking day of weather. I don't want to keep talking about that, but it really was. And he was spoiling the, the ball. He was just doing all of those one percenters and things that you need to do as a, a key backman in those conditions. And then also just throwing it on the boot and getting, a lot of meterage. So in terms of doing that job on the day in those conditions, you know, I, I actually thought he was among our best players again. That's worth, uh, I'll get a rating off you as well before I mention the next stat. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a six and a half and I think maybe losing a few of those jewels with, with Hogan. But yeah, it, it's, it's a, it was an odd game. But when you look at those stats, you 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 really do understand his impact. He had 14 spoils. Yeah, well, that says it all. 14 spoils. Our next best for spoils was Blake Hardwick, who had seven. Yeah, Um, so seven and a half then now. It's gone up. It's it's pretty incredible, 14 spoils in a game. So, yeah, Prinzi, I mean, did you have anything you wanted to add in terms of this? Yeah, I think um, I think when Sis is allowed to play his natural game, and I said this, this is the same thing I said last week, and I'll keep harping on it if you keep inviting me back to do these these review pods. And Mitchell hasn't brought in another key defender to do a key defender's job to allow Sisley to do the job that he's really good at. When he's one on one with Hogan, he got beat nine out of ten times. When he was able to play on a, a the second or third best key forward, he would leave his man and impact the contest leading to 14 spoils. So um, I just think, I, I just think, I just don't understand why, why we, we keep talking about this and there's, there's, there's no action. I mean, we've got Denver Granger Brass that needs games. I know he's not in the best form, but play him, play blank, then play Sisley as your third tool and let him do his thing. Because when he's allowed to do his thing, he's elite. He is really, really good. I think the, you know, the kicking stats are a little misleading because he takes a lot of our kick-ins and, you know, runs at 15 metres and then just boots at 45, 50, 60 metres, whatever. Um, but those but those spoil stats are huge. Like, that's massive. So, um yeah, I think I think I think Daz just about nailed it. I think he was still he was still pretty good. We've just got to put him in situations which are going to allow him to be the best version of himself that he can be. I totally I agree think, with that, and and I think maybe you know I hate to say it, but what if Hardigan played on Hogan in those conditions? Maybe that yeah. have been maybe that would have been worse because he's we know how 
how poor he is when the ball go, hits the deck. But, you know, that could have been he, – he would have halved a lot of those contests. So um, it's an interesting one, and, and I don't know why Mitchell is persisting with him being our number one key defender every week. Well, we'll get to it when we get to James Blank. But he played Hogan in the second half, and despite his stats in terms of the read on the sheet, he actually did a really good defensive job. And by him being able to do that without Sicily having to stand one-on-one with Hogan, he was much more effective. And our structure seemed to be much better in the second half. So, But to give you an idea, Hogan had 15 touches to halftime and he only had seven after halftime. So... Um, if if it was if it was a halftime change that blank was was moved on to him, well, he's limited his impact. He's halved his impact on the contest. Yeah, and blank finished with six spoils, but we'll get to him soon because we are moving on to number nine, Changuchias, who had sixteen disposals for the game. He finished with three marks, uh, two tackles, four hundred and sixty meters gained. Um, he also had six intercepts, four inside 50s. Uh, Daz, what did you make of CJ's display in Sydney? How many spoils did he have? Did you say it? Uh, I can tell you that he had four spoils. Right. It felt, it felt like he was at least making a nuisance of himself, I think, in uh, aerially. He wasn't. He wasn't really going for grabs like he would in a in a kind of normal day, and I think as Prinzi said, he's just you're just not going to get the the CJ you know and love on a day like on a day like today. It's just yeah, you, you, you obviously just had a different role, and I think he really struggled with the conditions. You could you could tell at times he was trying to get um, a bit of run going off half back and trying to take the game on, but just just really limited by the conditions. So, yeah, it's a bit of a sloppy game. I'm going to be semi-kind on him and give him a five. So a pass, Mark, for Daz. I think that's fair given the conditions. Nothing exceptional, but managed to do enough to get that five rating onto one of Prinzi's favourites, number two. 10, Jager O'Meara led some of the inside uh, ball work and grunt work through the midfield for much of the day. Finished the day with 26 disposals, two marks, seven tackles, seven clearances. He also finished with five inside 50s. Couple of frees against where he was slow to get rid of the ball. Uh, three score involvements, two intercepts. Only 50% disposal efficiency. Um, bit of a mixed bag there, but Prinzi, what are your thoughts on Jager's game in, in a, on a day when you would have thought uh, conditions would really suit him? Yeah, I thought he was pretty good without being outstanding. Um, he, he really stood up in the third quarter. He had a huge third quarter quarter he got 14 of his 26 touches in in that quarter um I thought he was yeah he was he was solid he he probably didn't he wasn't as noticeable as as Tommy Mitchell um and you know the Giants still were probably overall on top in the midfield battle so um but 
but he he worked hard and he tried he tried his absolute guts out. And I think that's all you can ask for. Um, it wasn't a day for fanciness, um, but he you know seven tackles, 20, 26 touches, uh, twenty five touches, whatever it was. Um, that's a that's a solid outing. I, I'd give him a, I'd give him a six. Yeah, we know we very much know that I'm one of his harshest critics. And I can honestly say, if we get that output from him every week, I'd be totally satisfied with that. Uh, obviously, the, as I said, the conditions suited, uh, and that's not always going to be the case. But he, he had a decent, decent game today. And if we're getting that output out of him more often than not, he's still going to be a very valuable contributor for the next couple of years. Yeah, and his season average for disposals is a tick under 21. I think if his season average for disposals was what he had today, 25-26, it's a different conversation. You're going, yep, he's he's leading. He's not going to be that A-grade midfielder that we hoped he would be uh, when we picked him up from the Suns. And we yes, we've paid overs for him. You know, we can do that dance again if we need to. But, um, you know, I think the reality is if you've got a couple of those older heads that can come in and you can just mark them down for 25, 26 touches a week, you'd be okay with that. And then you let the kids um, come in around them and, and do their thing. So um, yeah, good, good outing by Omira. And on to another midfielder who the conditions should certainly have suited number 11, the Irishman Connor Nash. Nash finished the day with 17 touches, eight tackles, Four clearances. He also managed to rack up three intercepts, three inside fifties, eight contested possessions. Only went at forty-one percent disposal efficiency. Daz, did we get enough out of Connor Nash today? Uh, I th- I thought he probably would have dominated a bit more. I think um, the Collingwood game. Really, in the wet in that third quarter, uh, I was expecting that for for the game today. But he was oh, he 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 did he did all of those Connor Nash things that you'd expect him to do in those conditions. But I think he was probably one of the one of the players who just kind of let us down going in going inside fifty. Um, it, it probably needed a bit more poise to his game. Um, really, to to get that pass mark. So, yeah, it, it was a bit of a bit of a sloppy game. But in terms of his effort and endeavour, I mean, he's 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 giving us a lot every week. So, yeah, I think the the conditions really let him down too. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give him a four and a half. The prodigal son Will Day finished the day with 16 touches, kicking us. Grubber of a goal, one mark, four tackles. He spent most of the time on the ground, 87% uh, time on the ground, five intercepts, uh, 31% disposal efficiency. Um, but he seemed to impact the contest, particularly in the first quarter. He, he wasn't scared to punch the ball early. Um, and and really added to that defensive unit. Prinzi, what was your take on Will Day and his performance today? Yeah, I liked Will Day's performance, and I hope he doesn't get rubbed out for that little bump on uh, on Josh Kelly because um, 
he needs the continuity of football and him coming back in this week and if he gets rubbed out for a week or, or whatever um, would be such a shame. Um, I, I thought he was pretty solid. I thought he was... Um, he was great to start. He started really, really strongly um, and had moments throughout the game where you're like, yeah, you can see his class. Um, went missing in periods. I think he played higher up the ground um, than he has in the past. I think he played a bit more wing and his sort of Telstra tracker hotspot thing suggests he played 63% in the offensive half, which um, which I found a bit interesting. Um, but, you know, the sort of the sort of guy that you trust in conditions like this to be able to get his disposal to where it needs to get to, and I think we got a little bit sucked into just kicking it for um, for turf or kicking it for meterage or whatever in the second and third quarters after a pretty good first quarter where we were using our skills um, pretty well. So that was a bit of a shame, but. I don't think Will was one of those culprits. I think he, whenever he seemed to get it, he tried to use it to find a teammate as opposed to just find space. So, um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give Will a, a, I'll give him a five and a half. Um, and I thought that, that it was a solid foundation to build off. So hopefully he's in the team next week. He had four spoils. I reckon two or three of them were in that first quarter. And uh, his first quarter was fantastic. Like there was enough, to be seen in that first quarter. Even the contest where he was punching the ball, when normally he'd try and mark it, but you just looked at him going, I'm here to play wet weather football and had the smarts to just punch it as far away as he could. You just watched Will Day in that first quarter and whilst he didn't put four quarters together, any of the fears that have come up over the last sort of five, six, seven weeks about his progression, you looked at that and went, my God, he knows how to play footy. And like you said, oh, I can't see him being rubbed out because Kelly got straight back up as a clear free kick. Um, there were no lingering uh, effects of the bump. Um, hopefully he gets to play and can play the rest of the season because I think he can finish off strongly. Yeah, he is. He's just an incredibly smart, like cerebral footballer, isn't he? Like reads situations, whether that be whole game or in-game moments um, and uh, executes accordingly. And I think you can't have too many of those footballers in a team and and we actually need more of them. Um, I think we have too many guys that are that think a bit too slowly or are a bit too casual. Will Day seems to sum things up really quickly, which is great. And he's getting two weeks now that you've said that, we see. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll apply the Andrew Weiss tax to it for sure. Um, number 13, Dylan Moore, who loves the goal and hit one today, finished the game with 16 touches and two marks. Um, it's possibly his defensive work that we need to highlight for today. He had seven tackles. He finished the game with... Um, three intercepts, three inside 50s, 10 of his possessions were contested. But the interesting one was that he had 31 pressure acts for the match, which was the third most of anyone on the ground, which is significant. Uh, Daz, Dylan Moore, how did you see his game? Yeah, well, I, I thought he was great. And I think he... You know, he just he's a bit he's become a bit of a Mr. Fix It for for Sammy Mitchell. He got chucked in there in the middle there. 
towards the end when when we really need someone to make something happen it's Dylan Moore that Sammy will usually turn to and I think that goal I really thought that goal if anything was going to get us back in the game I thought that goal would have given us some momentum um, going into that last quarter but you know you can't fault his effort in, you know, I know there's been a few questions around his consistency and sometimes disappearing from games, but I thought he really did his best all day and 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 had a pretty decent game. So I'm going to give him a six and a half. Would you say he was fairly consistent today, Daz? <laughs> yes, I would. I would. This is an inside joke from from the WhatsApp. Maybe we need to just publish the WhatsApps as a uh, appendix to all of these podcasts so people know what we're talking about. You know what? We can follow it up perhaps with a poll to see who are the most consistent Hawks players have been for the season uh, and maybe settle a few arguments within the Hawks Insiders WhatsApp group. So we'll, we'll park that for now and um, maybe we'll, we'll get onto the socials throughout the week to try and settle that. Um, speaking of consistent... Number 14, Jack Scrimshaw, and he's having a fair patch of footy. 18 disposals, four marks. He had 446 metres gained. Um, but again, looking perhaps at some of his more key stats, he had nine intercepts. Nine intercepts today, which was significant. Uh, Prinzi, your thoughts on Scrimmer's game? Yeah, I thought he actually used the ball far poorer than he has um, previously this year. Um, his uh, disposal efficiency was down to fifty-five percent. I'm not saying he had a bad game. I'll, I'll start. I'll start by um, just clearing clearing that up. Um, I actually thought he was pretty good. He was good in the contest. He won some hard ball. He um, impacted uh, marking contests, um, but. He seemed like he was one of those Hawk players who was intent on just getting the ball on his boot and just jamming it forward. Um, I think BT had a word for it, starting with B, but blurting it forward or something he just overused all day. But, um, uh, but yeah, Scrimshaw kind of did that a little bit. And I thought, oh, he's one of our better users of the ball coming out of the back 50. Um, just just take a deep breath and, and compose yourself, buddy. But other than that, um, I thought he was pretty good. I'll give him a six. I thought he was solid. Um, he has been incredibly consistent this year. And I would suggest he's probably a lock for a top five to 10 in the BNF poll. Yeah, I think every year we seem to be putting him in our top five predictions for best and fairest, but he's definitely started putting weeks together of good footy. And um, yeah, we talk about our lack of early draft talent over the years. And I think some people forget that we have a first round draft pick here in Jack Scrimshaw and he's really starting to fit that mould in terms of what he can do and his quality. So um, another really good week and happy enough with that from you, Prinzi. As we move on to number 15, Blake Hardwick. Ten touches today, three tackles, 
and uh, he also managed five intercepts when at 60% disposal efficiency. But I think if we were really to do him any justice, Daz, we would also read out that Toby Green managed 13 touches, three marks, zero goals, and zero behind for the game. Um, and fresh off his job on Cody Waitman, he's done another one on Toby Green, Daz. Yeah, and, and, and how many defenders would you say have a game like that against Toby Green and keep, I, what is it, I think 28 games in a row that he's kicked a goal. So it's a terrific shutdown job on Green. Um, and just, you know, the, the value of Blake Hardwick's that back line, uh, you're not going to get the plaudits every week. And we've spoken about that a lot, but just what he brings and, and his, his, his role as a defender. There's few players in the game that are as good as that sort of shutdown role on a, on, on a, on a small forward as, as Blake Hardwick. He, he, he's brilliant. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him seven and a half. Yeah, Ballard, uh, I think as well, um, he'd be rocketing, not into top three, he'd be rocketing into PCM winning the whole thing calculation, given the way the voting works and him playing his role again to absolute perfection this week. So, um, yeah, another wonderful game as we move on to number 16, Lockie Bramble, who had 17 touches. Four tackles, three marks, 362 metres gained. He managed 10 intercepts uh, and interestingly went at 65% disposal efficiency where on the day anything over 60% put you in the top bracket of players from an efficiency point of view. Prinzi, Lockie Bramble, floor's yours. Yeah, building. He's that's the word I'd uh, I'd use to describe uh, Lockie. Um, he's starting to build a little bit of a body of work this season, and I thought he was really I was, thought he was really good today. Um, you know, not not incredible. He wasn't probably in our top four or five players, but he was probably in the rung below that. He he tried to generate um, some runoff halfback. He tried to use his foot skills when he could. Um, he tried to take the game on in in ways that the conditions allowed him. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was good. I, I'd, I'd give him a I'd give him a six, and I'd say we're finally starting to see um, what Bramble can do again at AFL level. Some of those signs that we saw in the back half of last year. Um, and I'm just really, really keen to get into next year and hopefully have him have a full preseason with no interruptions, um, just to see what he can do, uh, with a whole season's worth of, uh, work in front of him. So, um, I really like what he brings to this team and we need more players with, um, the endurance speed that he has and also the ball use ability that he's got. So, um, yep, that's, that's the, he's one for the now and for the future. Now, Daz, Jack Gunston. Don't hold I back. Have, I don't have <laughs> too much to read out here, to be honest. Seven touches, uh, one behind on the scoreboard, one mark, four tackles, and not really much else to report. What have you got for us? Well, you, you missed the um, shanked kick for, uh, for goal from, it wasn't a particularly, tri- I mean, it was a, 
it was a rough day to be kicking for for goal, but you had a Irishman on the other end playing four games who upstaged him. So you also missed the yeah. drop chest mark about thirty five meters out as well. Yeah, that was yeah. a shocker. He, he had a shocking day. He he really had a shocking day, and he kind of looking at it now, wondering, you know. What is he? What is he sort of giving to our forward line? And honestly, at the start of the year, I, I think he he made Mitch Lewis better. He was bringing Cosy into the game. Uh, he's he's just a really frustrating player to watch at the moment. I'm not sure he's a hundred percent. I really I really don't think he's shaken off those injuries completely yet. So hopefully he'll have an injury free kind of run into the end of the year, and then maybe a decent preseason and we can see him at least contributing um, next year as a senior player to help, while that forward line develops. Perhaps in fairness, the conditions for our forward line, and certainly at the start of the year, we talked about his importance to allow Cozzy and Mitch Lewis to do what they were going to do. Maybe we we hold off on a rating unless you don't want to sit on the fence until we play Adelaide at Marvel in perfect conditions this weekend. See how they combine together and then let's talk about what we do with Jack Gunston. Prinzi, what do you think? No, I think we'd be letting him off too lightly. Um, I, I, I don't think he should have been in the team this week. Um, I understand senior player, triple premiership player, you know, I get it, like decorated servant of our footy club, but there's always this rush to just bring Jack straight back in. He never plays at Box Hill. He looked out there today like a man who should have been playing at Box Hill. Um, And sure, the conditions didn't suit, but you can impact the game in other ways. But he looked like the Titanic, the way he was turning today. Um, Yeah. He he needed those. Surely then the Titanic. Would have suited the conditions. He needed those. Re- <laughs> he needed those reverse sensors that they have on those large vehicles. The beep, the beeping, every time he was moving because it was it was slow and painful to watch with him out there today. Oh, um, yeah, it, right. it, it did feel like he had cement in his boots at times, and I at points I was like, Callow would have actually had a decent crack in those conditions, and I and 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 you just wonder what would have happened if Callow was in there instead of Gunston today? Because he just would have thrown his body around a bit more. Um, obviously, you know, better better leg speed in, 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 at this point in his career and a decent pair of hands. So it, 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 maybe it maybe does need to go back to Box Hill um, or at least sit on the pie until he's 100%. All right. Rating, Taz? Oh, I thought I was going to dodge the rating. Can I, can I take that option? I don't want to... I give him a two. <laughs> well, it's a two from Prinzi. You know what? I think one of the issues is, and, and it's the issue for a lot of these players, is I think Callow had a bit of a mare today at Box Hill. There wasn't much to get excited about at Box Hill. It's one thing to say, oh, there's, you know, he's the direct replacement and he would have had a bit of a go. But a lot of these guys that we would consider replacing them with are not faring that much better at the moment at Box Hill. So we'll leave that. Just a short disclaimer, I'm not looking forward to writing my Box Hill piece this week because there's not (laughs) much past maybe 
three players to get excited Focus about. Focus on the midfield. Focus on the midfield. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, on to number 22. Uh, it's our hero, uh, the Sydney boy, Luke Bruce. He managed 14 touches, kicked a goal, uh, three tackles. Um, a fair, fairly quiet day. He had three intercepts, three score involvements. He did go at 57%. Disposal efficiency. Primsy, what did you make of Brucey's game? Man, I feel like I'm Brad Klebanski, all this negativity at the moment. I didn't rate him. I didn't rate his game either. Um, uh, and it's uh, copy-paste what I said about Gunston. I mean, he was he was better than Gunston, but he looked really slow around the ball. If you look at the way some of the – look, if I compare him to Sam Butler, and Sam Butler didn't have as much of the ball. Uh, he had six touches, Sam Butler. He wasn't great. But the way he moved at the ball and the sort of agility that he showed around the contest, um, Bruce looks like, and Ashes, I think Ash has been harping on about it all season, but Bruce really looked slow today. He didn't look like he wanted to be out there in the wet. Um, and, you know, he, look, he had 14 touches, kicked the goal. He wasn't bad. But um, I don't know. I feel like we need more from the Bruce Gunston Shields types in terms of impact on the contest not just in terms of moral leadership that they and that they bring you know we 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 need them to have an impact and if they if they can't have an impact on the contest then yeah i don't know maybe the end maybe the end of the finish line is closer than we think does anything to any thoughts on that or you want to let that one go through yeah, I, I agree with Prinzi. I, I liked his... He had a great goal, though. That was... I mean, Luke Bruce is just really capable of very, very small cameos at the moment. And it's it's sad, but that's kind of where he's at. Um, he'll play probably an okay game every now and then, but um, it's really just having that seniority around the Sammy Butlers and Connor McDonald's of the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah I agree with that and, and and probably far more lenient on the likes of a Brucey than a than a Jack Gunston. I, I don't think he needs to have the games where he has twenty possessions and kicks three goals and has that impact on the contest. He can kick his one or two and be that voice and be that senior figure in the forward line without needing to start up there every week. And you, you can't have too many of them. So whether or not you can fit an underperforming in in inverted commas, Bruce and Gunston, as well as other senior players in the team, is a different story. Uh, but I think I think that's going to be his role, certainly yeah. for the next rest of this season and and next year as well, more so than than a Gunston who I'd be much more comfortable with going, you know what, play him at Box Hill. Bruce doing what he did still, I feel, offers a hell of a lot more than we've got from some of our other senior players. Um, but we'll leave Brucey for now because I think that air of negativity that you talked about, Prinzi, and, and luck- luckily enough, number 23, Jacob Kaczynski falls to Daz, 10 touches, 
zero marks, eight tackles. He managed to have not much else. Four of his possessions were contested. Uh, yeah, managed to have draw two frees, give away two frees, two inside 50s. Daz, the floor well, is yours. I'm going to say something maybe semi-controversial, but at least Cozzy gave it a crack today. And I think he had a better game than Mitch, either Mitch Lewis or Jack Unson. He was really, he was sloppy. It just, you know, it never, it didn't really come off for him. He couldn't really get his hands on it in terms of taking any sort of contested grabs. And I think zero marks really was the story of his game. But God, he, he, he put his body out there and he, he, he really was aggressive and he, he, he tried. He tried really hard. And um, we forget about Kaczynski that he was only, he's only played forward for a season and a half. So he's going he's gonna to get better and he's, he's going to be a good player. It's just, we've just got to be patient with him. He's just, what is he, 20, 22, 21, 22? Um, you know, year and a half of senior footy. So, yeah, I, I, I liked his, his effort. I really, I really rated his effort today, and I will give him three for effort. Yeah, that's fair. The difficulty, it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Like, we got absolutely nothing out of our three key forwards, and there is an excuse based on the conditions. However, then you see Hogan at the other end do what he did and go... Well, that's the role, you know, not as the big bulking forward that Mitch Lewis is, but that's the role you want Cozzy to be playing, a little bit more mobile, a little bit further up the field. Um, but he definitely gave it a crack and, and in this development phase for a lot of these guys, it's all you can ask for. Number 26, Liam Shields, came on as the sub. He had 13 touches, kicked a goal, uh, six tackles, Four clearances. Prinzi, what did you make of the cameo performance from Liam Shields? He wasn't too bad, Shieldsy. He was okay. Um, I think this is kind of what we can expect from Liam Shields if he plays. He's not, even in his peak, he wasn't a huge disposal getter. Um, so if you get mid to high teens from Liam, um, you know, you know, you're going to get the effort, you know, you're going to get the intensity, you know, you're going to get the hard work. He'll, he'll put some work into his opposition uh, player, whoever he's manning up on. He got a little bonus where he kicked us a goal late um, and, you know, he was okay. He, I, I give him a pass mark, I give him a five. For sure. Moving on to number 30, Sam Butler. Just the six touches, uh, managed one behind, took two marks, two tackles. He had three inside 50s and two score involvements. Uh, he did go at 67% disposal efficiency. Um, he did manage 21 pressure acts, which put him in you know the top seven or eight Hawks players for pressure acts. On, on the day. Daz, what did you think of Sam Butler's effort today? 
Well, yeah, I, I think you'll find that week to week he is getting those sorts of numbers in terms of pressure acts. So he really is working on that part of his game. And, you know, the other stuff will come because he, he just seems to be a natural at it. Um, he's he's going to... He's going to explode one of these days, Sammy Butler, and it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch. And there were there were passages and moments in the game where you just know that he's going to be a player. Um, great. There's a great passage of play, I think, with, with Connor McDonald. Um, we sort of gave off a hand pass and kept going and, uh, and that kind of thrust us into the Ford 50. And yeah, I, I really rate Sam Butler and... Even though he got six disposals, I actually thought he was pretty. He was pretty involved in in a lot of the in a lot of the good stuff that we put out there today. So you know, it's a four, but he's 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 a young player to watch. As the three founding members of the Sam Butler fan club, uh, I thought you might have rated him a bit higher given the company that you're in, but um. <laughs> Definitely an exciting prospect, and if Brad Klebanski ever does want to be admitted into uh, the fan club that we run, there will be some stringent, stringent demands put on him. Uh, I think, I think it's helped us grow the love for Sam Butler amongst us. But he looks like a player, and that's what we want to be finding from this season. Speaking of looks like a player, number 31, Connor McDonald, 15 disposals, one goal. He had four marks and three tackles, three inside 50s, three score involvements. And the other stat that was very impressive, he had 24 pressure acts. Again, talking about pressure acts on a day like today, that had him in uh, sixth place in terms of the pressure acts for our squad for the day. Prinzi, thoughts on Connor's game today? Uh, firstly, big fan. Big fan of Connor McDonald. Um, love the way he goes about it. Uh, he started really well. He had six touches in the first quarter. Um, he was quiet, very deathly quiet for the second and third periods. Uh, I think he had, what is it? He had three in the second. He didn't touch it. Didn't trouble the scorers at all in the third quarter. And then he had six again in the last. And I think the most exciting part of today's game was, um, well, A, he kicked another goal and he loved, he, he enjoys kicking a goal as well, but um, he was moved on to the ball in the last quarter and he, and he had, he had an impact and that was exciting. I think they, they gave Newcomb his breaks up in the, in the forward 50 in the last quarter. And then they had both he, both Newcomb and McDonald um, around the contest more and more late in the game. And um, McDonald got his hands on it. And that's really exciting because I think, um, well, that's where he'll end up. He'll end up as a pure midfielder. Um, and he's just really crafty. He's a good, he's a good user. He's a good thinker. Um, and I think he's going to be a really special player. I really, I really rate him. And um, yeah, it it was a it was a it was a it was a pass mark for Connor today. I gave him a five, and um, you know he he probably was a, a bit better than uh, some of his more senior players out there today. This this run of young players coming home, Butler into McDonald into Blank and Reeves and Newcomb is enough for us all to get excited. 
number 36 James Blank and we will um, find out if Ash actually listens to this pod. Ash, if you're listening, please reach out to your friends at afl.com and get them to update his headshot. He's the only player not in a Hawthorne top and, and surely there's something, we can do something about that. Do your stuff, Ash. Blank finished with six touches. Uh, he had one tackle, six spoils, which puts him in the top few spoils for us for the day. Um, moved on to Jesse Hogan, we talked about earlier. Moved on to him in the second half and did a pretty good job on him in the second half, Daz. Yeah, he did. And just uh, another product of this alliance with Box Hill where a player like Blank can just come in and just seem like he's been in our back line for years. Um, so I rated him at Box Hill and he hasn't disappointed me. Um, I think we've got a player there and I think he's actually, um, he's going to develop into into a really, really strong backman. And the thing is, we, we were talking about him keeping you know, Denver and, um, and, and the likes of Hardigan out of the side. And it's, it's a hard, it's, it's not a hard road back for Denver. Cause I think he'll, he'll get there, but, um, blank, blank, blank is keeping him out on form and he deserves his spot next week. So I'm going to give him a, a five and a half, um, especially for that shutdown job on uh, Hogan in the second half. Hard to see him not playing the rest of the season in the team as that key defender. Um, And I agree, did a really good job in the second half and very excited by him already in in the couple of games that we've seen. Number 37, the big noodle, Ned Reeves, probably slightly shaded on the day by Matt Flynn, finished with 13 touches, four tackles, 39 hit out, had five clearances, um, and nine of his possessions were contested. Prinzi, what did you think about Ned's day in Sydney? He was pretty good. Um, he, I thought he got beaten by Sweet last week, and I was hoping he'd respond. And um, and I actually, I actually thought he was better than Flynn on 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 the day. I thought his uh, hitouts they were they were pretty pretty even. I thought he got his hands on the footy a bit more than he normally does. He normally gets like six to eight touches, so thirteen touches. I think if Ned Reeves can get thirteen to fifteen touches in a game that's going to be pretty good for a man who doesn't really have great endurance for an AFL athlete. Um, and yeah, I thought he, he was in enough of the contest for long enough today to, to be considered a net positive. So I gave him a five and a half. Sure. I think uh, he finished with a similar number of hit outs to advantage as Lynn, despite uh, he did attend significantly more ruck contests, but um, it was definitely on display for all to see the fact that as Ash continues to, to push, you, you can see him being a top five ruckman in the comp for many years in the near future. Final player to look at, and Daz, the pleasure should be all yours, is number 44, Jai Newcomb. He finished with 22 touches, with three marks, five tackles, two clearances, 
479 metres gained, six inside 50s, seven intercepts, 13 of his touches were contested. Uh, he had 21 pressure acts as well. And after a pretty quiet first quarter, he did pretty well for the rest of the day, Daz. Yeah, he did. And I'm glad it's the last player because I'm getting hypothermia out here in the car. But um, Shai, <laughs> he, the weather conditions suit him. We knew, we knew that going into the game. And um, I think, you know, Prince has been talking a lot about players that were maybe, uh, I, th- I think maybe kind of just going for meterage when they could have taken a moment to, to have a think and maybe weren't as, uh, you know, you know pressured as they may have thought. So one of those players, I think, is, that suffered a bit from just chucking it on the boot. But um, there were some freakish moments there where he did, you know, that, those blind hand passes and the things that we're, we're, we're knowing and loving about Jai now. And, um, you know, it's probably our number one midfielder, which just says it all about where we're at as a club. So... Yeah, another decent game from Jai, and um, he's he's putting together a pretty pretty amazing. Let's call it his first season, first season and a half. So I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a six and a half. Six and a half for Jai. Can I give you a reason to maybe bump it up to seven and a half? Oh, I'm I'm ready for it. My favourite moment of the entire game was Callan Ward spin one, Callan Ward spin two, Callan oh, yeah. Ward spin three, and Jai Newcomb just waiting for him and spear tackling him into the ground, getting that paid holding the ball. That was just a moment of beauty. It was. It was a real thou, thou shalt not pass. Jai, Jai was just not having any of it. And, um, you know, and Callum Ward, like, senior player, big body, he just took him down. Uh, and he's been playing footy for about five minutes. So just the upside to this guy is pretty incredible. Definitely a moment of beauty. Just to wrap it up, Sam Mitchell, uh, what did you make of his game, Crimsy? And then Daz, uh, anything of note? to talk about uh, considering the way the game was played today? Um, I, I'm, I didn't think it was one of Mitchell's better games. I, I didn't think he had a huge influence on the contest today. I think that once that weather set in and the players had it in their mindset that we're going to play this wet weather football, um, there, it's really hard to change that. Um, and it just looked like, like it was one of those days, really, if we're all honest, and I think we've all said this um, in the WhatsApp chat. It was one of those days that you just, you just put that one aside. Like let's it's a very forgettable game. Um, unless you're that Callum Brown kid from, from Ireland. Um, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to get excited about. It was a pretty dour game of football. And, and I think those games are really hard for coaches to have an impact on. Um you know, like I mentioned a couple of times, we had a lot of players who were had a, had a, a preconceived idea that there was a lot of pressure or um, that they were hot in a contest when they weren't. And they're coach killers. I think 
if I had any criticism, I think the way we structured up forward of the contest was really poor. I don't think you can kick the ball that many times out of your back 50 and hit opposition players if you're set up properly. And we managed to pick out GWS players 70% of the time we came out of our defensive 50 from those quick kicks from the pack or under pressure or whatever. And that to me says that our forwards haven't set up properly. Or it says to me that Sam Mitchell's asking our forwards to move in and support the contest, which then I have question marks around, do we not back our midfield in to win the contest? So um, there was that was probably the biggest issue I had was how we were set up forward of the ball didn't seem like it was conducive to, to A, winning the ball and B, keeping the ball from returning quickly from where it came. Dad? Yeah, well said, Prinzi. I can't really argue with that. I, I think it, it was one of those games where the conditions just demand that you play on instinct. And I think our instinct and some of the younger players were just first, you know, they just felt the heat at every at every opportunity and were just chucking on the boot first. Some of the more senior heads in the GWS side were had, had a bit more poise, had a bit more, felt like they had a bit more time on the ball and just used it a lot better but there were just so many lucky bounces for them and lucky moments as well and umpiring decisions that that were quite telling but yeah I, I don't think we lose that game because Sam Mitchell was out coached so it wasn't his finest game but definitely not the reason we lost. I wouldn't have minded seeing because clearly they were just getting it and kicking it, getting it and banging it long, getting it, playing good wet weather football. But clearly when it wasn't working, going, you know what, instead of kicking it long and just banging it to our forwards and having the ball come straight back, let's play our possession game. And if you drop it or you fumble it or you miss kick it or... Well, it's going to be the same result as if we minus 20 metres, but we at least try and retain it and and try and get that movement into our forward line back on the terms that we like. So I, I wouldn't have minded seeing that, an attempt at that throughout the game as it went on, but wasn't to be. Uh, in the end, a 22-point loss. Uh, we uh, continue our slight little fall down the ladder. Uh, we will dissect everything over the week. Um, Prinzi, Daz, thanks very much for your time once again. Uh, and Daz, especially to you uh, for spending the time in the freezing cold to get this done. No problem. It, it was. It's always cathartic doing these after a, a disappointing loss. So I appreciate the opportunity. And Prinzi, looking forward to uh, hearing your thoughts on who can make the step up from Fox Hill during the week. Yeah, is Chad Wingard available or? <laughs> uh, uh, let's uh, not go there. We'll have let's some thoughts go. come out early in the week on the Box Hill game. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening. Don't forget, you can get heaps of great content throughout the week on Hawks Insiders. Follow us through socials at Hawks Insiders. On the Substack, you'll get our main recap hitting your inbox tomorrow and then dump on Wednesday night to the space, which will be released as a podcast as we 
finalise the dissection of the GWS game, look ahead to the Crows and talk about everything in between. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoy uh, the week ahead and we will catch you throughout the week.